0: Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. We have a huge show for you today. We do. First up, we're doing <laughs> a slightly failed attempt at a five for five. <laughs> like a five for eight. With news, <laughs> it's more honest. like a five for like 10 to 12 minutes per because it's so interesting. First up, we're talking about Katie Hahn's new record-breaking crypto fund that she just raised, Bored Ape's massive valuation. Apple's Possible Neobank Play. Worldcoin and your eyeballs and a potential new iPhone competitor
1: and it is a rapid fire breakdown rapid fire only we tried to do in five minutes we got to eight we're trying to be disciplined here but these stories were just too chunky there were too many second and third order impacts of these stories so we went eight minutes each apologies for that uh but we have also at the end of our five four uh eight (laughs) news breakdown (laughs) molly is going to sit down with one of our launch founders these are the people we've invested in. If we invested in them and we put, have skin in the game,
0: that means they're doing something special. Yeah, and that means they get on this show, which is yes, you know, not for nothing. Um, well, I'm a talking little value to you. Add there, right? I mean, if we invest add. in
1: you, you may get on uh, one of the top uh, seven uh, tech shows in the world. Okay, great. Just saying,
0: no big, saying. no big, no biggie. Uh, I'm talking to launch cohort number twenty-four. That is our current cohort. A founder, Ben Miller of Chronify, who's building consumer software to help people figure out how to become financially independent and also when they will be financially independent. I'm not going to lie. I downloaded it.
1: Mm, I love this idea. Obviously, we've so placed good. a bet on it. It's a very early stage startup, but we've had great success with Robinhood and other financial uh, apps. And we think people really, this next generation wants to become literate and even proficient and, and maybe, you know, top 10% of how to financially plan, and this is really an app that is built for people who want to plan for their financial future, and I think that's like really cool to have somebody in your corner. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us.
2: This Week in Startups is brought to you by Rocket. To hire in today's competitive market, you need outstanding recruiting. Rocket's expert recruiting paired with ML candidate matching set them apart from the rest. Get 20% off your first placement at getrocket.com slash twist. Lemon.io. Need to speed up your product development without draining your budget? Hire vetted engineers from Europe at lemon.io. Go to lemon.io/slash twist to get 15% off for the first four weeks. And Microacquire, the startup acquisition marketplace. Start the right acquisition conversation at your own pace and get free instant access to over 100,000 trusted buyers with total anonymity. Say goodbye to brokers and meet your ideal buyer today. Go to microacquire.com/slash twist.
0: All right, everybody, we have got five for five today we're gonna get through five stories in five minutes each five by five mm. radio or whatever military talk for everything is okay
1: uh five by five is i'm hearing you crystal clear loud and clear oh, three right, by yeah. five is i can hear you but it's a little <gasps> bit breaking up one by five is i can't hear you at all
3: oh my god so look that's at what you pilots i totally say. know
1: ambulances etc it's it's how good oh, it's the radio, radio communication thing. is so we're gonna do a five by five it's gonna come in crystal clear but I do want to add something here, which is we each get a one-minute overtime. <laughs> so we get a one-minute overtime we can pull at any point in time. Jason
0: playing his favorite game, Calvin Ball. So we, you, you, everybody, Changes you give one every once.
1: Or how about we can give one, we can take one minute, we can give one minute. So I could give you a minute and ask you to keep going, and you could yeah. ask me to keep going on something, or you could take it for yourself. So it goes either way. Uh, everybody, give a thumbs up for your squad. Subscribe. We're on the March to 200,000 subscribers on the YouTube.com This Weekend channel.
0: Here we go. All right. First up today on the news docket, a record breaking raise by former A16Z partner, Katie Hahn, who mm-hmm. left, uh, it seems like somewhat abruptly or somewhat quickly left A16Z and has now raised a one and a half billion dollar debut fund for Hahn Ventures, <gasps> which will focus On Web3 Companies, in case you are wondering, yes, this is the largest debut fund by a solo female founding partner to date. The prior record was $1.3 billion raised by a name you might know, Mary Meeker, for Bond Capital in April 2019. Katie Hahn, killing it.
1: I might say this is the largest raise for any debut fund.
0: Has I wonder been been that a, too. I was like, "Is do we need I, all these qualifiers?" Because that sounds like I a think big this is the moment in
1: time. Dare I say that we can stop pointing out the gender of the uh, founder of the fund? Because now you know that two women have raised over a billion dollars, and women are starting funds all the time. Like when we did our first fund managers, the diversity in that group of people was extraordinary. So I, I don't know. I feel like we could give the industry some credit here that we uh, like, really? I, oh, do we
0: ever get to take a win? <laughs> no, we should definitely take a win. This does appear, a according, win to, here. <laughs> according to Axios, this appears to be the largest fund ever raised by a solo venture capitalist, let alone by a solo female VC. I mean, yeah. listen, like female VCs still are only, I think about 11%. So we're not yep. ready for a victory lap yet. However... If we can get to the point where it's just like, yep, you raised the largest one. Great job yeah. you. And we don't have to talk about it because I'm with you. I know I always say that I don't want to win the like journalism awards that they only give to women. I want to beat everyone. I yes. don't want to only get the deals that women get. I want to beat everyone. Yeah. Katie, it's like just beat everyone. Yeah. It's incredible. Let's give it to her. Um, unbelievable. And she's brilliant.
1: Uh, it's also, you think about LPs. I think LPs, at this point, don't see gender. I think they see dollars. and I think when they see her, they see dollar signs. They look at the track record. I don't think they particularly care about gender. I think they care about her track record and her ability to find deals in the Web3 crypto space that will, you know, five to 10x their money. That's what they're seeing. They're seeing dollar signs, the same thing for Mary Meeker. Uh, so as terrible as the track record was, I'm just delighted to see it moving forward. And yesterday, we had the sto- story of Sequoia launching a new um accelerator arc, and the two people running it are women. So I think this is becoming like a really great tipping point, dare I say, for the industry. Um she is a former federal prosecutor, which is uh pretty amazing. I had, a, I had a great conversation with her. We, we we were on the same flight one time and talked for two hours. Uh, she's super brilliant. She joined Andreessen in 2018 as their first female GP. I mean Andreessen has a horrible track record with diversity. Um, I'm not saying that just to dunk on them. It's just, it is what it is. If you look at their first five, six, seven partners, eight partners, nine partners, I don't know what it was. Somebody can look it up. Every partner was just a rich white guy who previously ran a SaaS company. In fact, mm-hmm. I was told that was their strategy. Hire people who were already rich. So they didn't want to take the management fees. So you could have the management fees go towards the services. But why did she leave after just two years? Is right. the question I have, I've never gotten an answer for that. Did she not feel welcome there? Did she not feel like she was getting credit? I, I I would like to know the background on why she left. I think because that is interesting
0: because it seems like it's pretty unusual. Was she a partner? She was she a was partner. A par-
1: yeah, she was their first female, right. not a partner, a GP, a general partner, equal oh, to others. Right. You know, equal to Chris Dixon, So she was their first female GP Deep, and bitch, she was equal like, to-
0: nah, I'm out. That is fast. that is very interesting. And hopefully we will someday hear that story because she is super interesting. Obviously LPs, we're seeing dollar signs all over this, uh, because of the Web3 and crypto and token focused investing. Um, But also, I want to point out her interesting team. She has a nine person team. Chris Lehane, a former Airbnb executive and Clinton administration official. Tamika Tilleman, a former Biden staffer and Rachel Horowitz, who led the comms teams at Twitter, Google, Facebook and Coinbase, as well as some former A16Z colleagues. So I like the fact that she's not putting together a sort of uh, usual suspects kind of team like a lot of cognitive diversity diversity of background and you know some women uh rachel also worked at uber i believe
1: yeah pretty pretty great team uh my guess is either she didn't feel welcome at Indreessen. they didn't covet her enough yeah is one possibility and that doesn't necessarily mean gender it just means you know maybe she was too big for the firm Uh, in other words like mary meeker she was such a brand unto herself That having to, you know, be in the shadow of the two people whose names are on the front door made no sense for her. Could be. Uh, Like Mary Meeker was at Kleiner Perkins for a little while, right? And Mm -hmm. I don't know how many years she lasted there before starting her own firm. But if you're a transcendent talent and your brand becomes bigger than the brand that you're working at, maybe you're just like, well, I want to call the shots. Yeah. The breakdown of the 1.5 is 500 million for early stage companies and protocols, a billion for growth stage companies and protocols. Uh, She announced the new fund on Mirror.xyz blog. I don't know what that is, Uh, but I do know XYZ is the domain extension that a lot of crypto people like to use. Han spoke to CNBC about raising the largest fund. It feels honestly like a lot of pressure, but I think that motivates everyone on the team. That is a great comment, right? Uh, she's like, "With great power comes great responsibility." Is like her yeah. first part of the sentence, and then yep. uh, shout out to the team. We got to make this happen. I mean,
0: my uh, God, to return enough to five x a one and a half level, billion dollar fund. I mean, it's it's seed yeah. and growth, but to do that with a small team, having left the you know the big big brand name of A sixteen Z, like it is a lot of pressure. Well, well she'll be getting.
1: It. Two and a half percent in management fees, so she literally has thirty-seven, maybe you know, thirty-five to forty million a year in yeah. fees. So yeah. with, I mean, just imagine. I mean, if you're paying your, you know, half a million dollar salaries, million dollar salaries. I mean, she could build a very large team with that giant windfall of management fees. Those are the fees you get for managing the fund. They come out of the returns. You know, the early stage fund. You know, people want to see reacts. Uh, and the growth stage fund, something similar. I mean, in reality, they want to see her do four, five, six, seven X. They want to see her be an outlier. Uh, that's the bet you're making is that you hit a fund that, you know, gets that five to 10 X cash on cash return in a decade. Yeah. Um, and that would put you in the, you know, the 1%, the 2% of venture returns. Uh, most people are trying to hit that 15 to 25% IRR per year. Uh, but yeah, amazing. and Congratulations. We are Come on the looking- show come on the show for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I not only uh, I emailed her yesterday invited her on this show and then I invited her to uh, do a fireside or a keynote at the all in summit, May 15 16, 17 in Miami. Hiring well is one of the most important things a startup can do to increase the chances of being an outlier success. And that's what it's all about, right? So if your current hiring strategies aren't working, you're gonna need to find a solution and rocket can be that solution for you. Rocket is trusted by companies like Tinder, NerdWallet, and Carta because it was built by former tech founders who understand how hard it is to hire at scale. It was built by founders for founders. They use machine learning to supercharge their team of recruiters to help you close hires. And they'll help you hire anyone from an independent contractor all the way to your executive positions. And This is done with a white glove service, Rocket's team of 60 recruiters across the US and Canada understand how startup recruiting is different, and that's helped Rocket deliver results across hundreds of clients. It's going to save you time, it's going to help you meet better candidates, and it's going to lower the number of hiring mistakes. Here's a really easy call to action. I want you to go to getrocket.com twist and use the promo code twist for 20% off your first placement. There is no risk with $0 required up front. That's getrocket.com twist and use the code twist for 20% off. All right, next up on our docket today, the crypto, I don't want to say grift, but my Lord, <laughs> the amount of money getting thrown into projects that don't have any seeming purpose and or function in the world continues. Mm-hmm. Yuga Labs, the maker of Board Ape NFTs, trading cards, and uh, the dollar sign APE coin has raised $450 million from, wait for it. Yes, of course. You know who likes to splash a cashy Andreessen Horowitz um, at a $4 billion valuation. The startup is also planning to launch a decentralized NFT metaverse massively multiplayer online role playing game called other side in April. So as we predicted and discussed, these NFTs have no meaning or purpose in the world. Trading cards are a minor part of the economy. And they I think people quickly get burned out on collecting stuff. So the nft crowd i think has found their hail mary to build value and it is the metaverse uh mm-hmm. specifically massively multiplayer online role-playing games which are uh, the best example is warcraft i guess no mm-hmm. um world of warcraft world warcraft correct mm-hmm. thank you uh because people would pay 15 dollars a month for it so maybe all of these crazy valuations could get filled in in order for it to get filled in you would need to have $400 billion of revenue, in my mind, for that game. Uh, yeah. $400 billion in revenue if people were paying, but, I don't know, $15 a month would be $200. $15 a month would be about $200 a year. $200 a year, be, you need to have 2 million players. So this is the bet that Andreessen Horowitz is making, is that right. Yuga Labs will have a million, two million, three million people paying for a massively multiplayer on <laughs> Which I don't think there's been many that have broken the million, so this is a crazy bet. To
0: be clear, yeah, uh, I mean, that Yougal would be adds. like a Fortnite level success. I, th- I mean, Fortnite's probably way more than that. Well, Fortnite's I mean,
1: way I'm, bigger, but free users, right? Free so users, I'm just, right?
0: So a million to two million paying users who then are also using this ape coin as the in-game currency. It's so interesting because it's like they created a coin and a token, and now they're just trying to find a home for it. It's like if you created a currency and then had to build a society around it. Yeah, it thing. kind of works
1: the other way. So this is Usually the, great, works the other way. crazy experiment that uh, people are making crazy bets on. This would be like somebody wrote an open source project, like, I don't know, a web browser. And they were like, and we're going to deem this company worth $4 billion and raise $400 billion, And then we'll back that web browser or open protocol into a, you know, business. But I really think it's a terrible idea to give these huge valuations before the performance exists where the value exists, but we'll see. Well, Maybe
0: it will, will work. On that note, a leaked Yuga Labs pitch deck circulated last week, indicating that in 2021, Yuga Labs had $137 million in revenue last year with 95% margins. We do not know if this is true. We have not yeah. verified the veracity of this leaked deck. But if that's true, uh, well, and you're literally printing money at 95% margins, I guess you could understand why you might feel a little flexy with your valuation. So
1: if it had 95% margin, it's like, you know, whatever 100 million and change in profits. So this is 40 times that the question is, is that replicable is the NFT moment where you sold people trading cards, and you sold $100 million in trading cards in essentially what is a multi level marketing, you know, the most cynical would be a pump and dump scheme and the most charitable would be a club and a collection. Mm -hmm. Is that in any way sustainable in the future? Yep. And can they print up 10,000 more apes for $10,000 each or whatever they can get for them? Because this is that 137 million must be the selling of the original apes, or maybe this transaction fees. Do they get a piece of when they resell the apes? Maybe they get 10% of that. So maybe this is just the speculators paying that 10% fig. I was never clear on if the apes had that uh, built into them. So as of Wednesday morning, ApeCoin was the 26th most popular token on Coinbase. There is a little bit of a brouhaha when you airdrop these or you create a new token. Who gets them, right? Who gets mm-hmm. it, get it? Gets it first, Molly. So tell us, how did this break down?
0: Well, and this is what is so interesting about this pro- process, especially when you consider that they've created a currency and now they're trying to create a society for it to have a home. Because when you look at who owns most of these tokens, it is not particularly. Decentralized. Forty-seven percent uh, went to when the coins were initially uh, issued. Went to the Ape Coin DAO treasury. Fifteen percent went to Board Ape owners, people who already had the coins. Fifteen mm-hmm. percent went to Yuga Labs employees. One percent to the Jane Goodall Legacy Foundation. Lovely. Eight mm-hmm. percent to Yuga Labs founders, and fourteen percent went to launch partners, oh, aka yes, investors like. Andreessen and Horowitz, meaning early investors have a yeah. significant amount of control of not just the company, but also the decentralized yeah. autonomous this, organization, the DAO. I'm
1: going to take a minute. I'm going to take my minute over, John, this one. And this is what crypto people were so upset about A16Z. Yeah. I remember, Jack was dunking on Chris Dixon Yeah, because they were like, these projects are saying they're decentralized. They're saying that this is going to disrupt venture capital and this is going to create a new world that has more equity in it. And meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It's a, it's all the insiders who get rich and then the public is the bag holders. Andreessen Horowitz gets to buy on the floor. Y'all suckers out there get to buy a 3X, 4X and they liquidate and create bag holders potentially. I don't know if they're doing that or not. Nobody knows that's the problem with this and why the SEC needs to be on top of this mm-hmm. is because this kind of market manipulation or insider trading, you know, you could look at this as investing or insider trading, right? Depending on the lens you go through. Yep. And if this is getting pumped up, and people are getting excited about it, you don't know. Maybe Andreessen Horowitz is buying these things for a penny and selling them for forty bucks and getting this quick hit. And maybe that's why crypto funds are raising all this money is because there's no rules, mm-hmm. and all of this circumvents everything that the SEC set up to make a level playing field. And you know, more often than not, it's not the you know Andreessen Horowitzes of the world who are going to get screwed. Yeah, who's going to no get way. screwed? The bag
0: holders. Well, and Andreessen Horowitz now has effectively a controlling interest in this DAO and could potentially at any point be like, you know what? It's not making us the kind of money we thought it was going to. And we're going to vote to shut. I mean, we've seen it happen when one person was able to effectively shut down a DAO. And you've got- DAOs are ripe for manipulation. And here
1: you have the collusion could happen Mm -hmm. because the founders own 8%. Andreessen Horowitz owns 16%. That's what's known in the current. The airdrop was another fifty percent. How many of the airdrop board ape owners are insiders? Right? right. Who knows? If Andreessen Horowitz doesn't own ten percent of the board apes. They might, yep. and and that's where all this could get really highly
0: manipulated. Yeah, it's a little ugly. We didn't mention the Jane Goodall. thing. mentioned that Molly. I did. Yeah, it's lovely. Oh, what, I mean, they did. You know, because Ape one percent went to this Jane Goodall Legacy Foundation. All I said. Well, was what do like, you think of that's that? That's great. An endowment to help protect wildlife and has humanitarian yeah, but, but, programs. Well, I mean, that's great. That but like. I hope that that showed up as some version of cash or was cashed out immediately. Like I would it's rather, not
1: cash. <laughs> I hope it's like maybe they, they liquidate 10% of it a year for 10 years. But I but mean, that what if it this goes value. to you?
0: Like, just get, I'd rather they got a million dollar donation than like some ALF Pogs. No. Well, no, wait. What happens if this go?
1: What is the market cap right now of the board apes?
3: 3.7 billion uh, of the coins that have been liquidated. Not all coins have been claimed yet. So it's likely okay. more.
1: So that means they gave. 40 million
2: to right, the jane goodall legacy percent. foundation
1: yeah i'm going to go ahead and guess that that's more money than they've ever received to date right i just hope they cash it out that's all i'm saying like put that in the uh, bank but okay i would say maybe cash at 25 percent and put it in the stock market and let's see how this goes but really well, but what, what if jane goodall
0: foundation her legacy to be a bank holder mm-hmm. what it well what if it 10x is <laughs> though
1: that's why I think, you know, like maybe take twenty-five percent of the chips off the table and then do ten percent a year for the next 10 years, depending on what direction it goes. is I'm what very the,
0: glad that we're having this conversation so that yeah. you can see though so that you can see that you think there is some potential here because I think everybody thinks we just bash on this all the time. So it's good to see that you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, if I actually had some. Well, no, I betting is
1: you know, like I own Bitcoin and I'll never sell it. I mean, even if it went down to five or ten K, I'd probably buy more, yeah. depending on if people still believe in it are using it because the the upside, put, you know the downside potential here. The downside potential is Jane Godall leaves, Legacy Foundation leaves 40 million on the table. So if they swept 15 right now, now the down, they have 15 million they never would have had. The downside is now they could lose 25 million. But the upside is there's a chance, given the momentum of the number one NFT project, mm-hmm. that it could 10X. And then $250 million is like, whoa, you could really do some, I mean, I think they could. Yeah. They could, they could change the nature of Big primate game. supremacy forever.
0: Well, I mean, maybe this is how and- primate supremacy are hilarious. I I think think this and is, then Planet of the Apes, boom. I was about to say,
1: I think the move here is to buy the rights to Planet of the Apes. I think Yuga Labs huh? and the Dow should take all of this money and they should vote to try to acquire the rights to Planet of the Apes. And I am not joking for a minute. If you want to fill in a $4 billion valuation... Planet of the Apes is probably worth two billion. Like, what would Planet of the Apes be worth? Somebody look up As at what franchise? the total revenue of all those movies are. I'm guessing those movies have made a billion dollars in total. That franchise, because those that latest sequence of ones probably made two or three hundred billion each. That's oh, right, a billion right there. Ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if Bond is worth like eight billion, it's, the Planet of the Apes is worth two billion. God, they could afford to buy Planet of the Apes. Do it. <laughs> and then make all the Yuga Labs and then do a backstory. Jason, you were exactly
3: right. The, the films have grossed about 2 billion total.
1: How does he do it? I read constantly. I remember numbers is why I'm good at gambling. Yeah, when are you people going to know this? It, it's very simple. <laughs> it, all you I'm have to new. do is look at what, what, what did Marvel sell for? What did Pixar sell for? What did Disney sell for? I mean, not Disney, I'm, Star Wars. You just start to understand the franchise value. And the franchise value in that space is about... Double whatever the revenue was in, in when I looked at it last time. So the Bond films were doing like 500 million each, 700 million each. So, you know, you just think you get up five, then the five next ones put together would be 2 billion, 3 billion, you know, you double, triple that. That's kind of, if you net it out with the MGM purchase, what it would be worth in my mind. And, you, you know, you, with, with Planet of the Apes, you have toys, you have comic books. I mean, you got a lot of IP there. Yeah. Probably an undervalued IP. Well, not now that I said Ooh. they should buy it. Now it's probably over <laughs> When you're scaling your startup quickly, hiring engineers can slow you down like nothing else. We all know that. Well, here's some good news for you. Lemon.io will find you the perfect candidate within, wait for it, 48 hours, I kid you not. And what is Lemon.io, you ask? They're a marketplace of engineers from Europe, where some of the greatest engineers in the world are based, and they'll match you with a candidate again within just 48 hours. That's two days for those of you doing the math at home. And if it doesn't work out, they're going to replace the developer right away. So there is no risk for you, the founder of a startup. And they test and interview every developer to eliminate the risk of a failed project. So we got a testimonial from Launch Portfolio founder, Drew Fabricant, and he told us that Lemon was a game changer for his startup, Scout, which is a lead gen platform. They do great stuff. They were under the gun. They needed to hire a developer with a very specific skill set as soon as possible. And Lemon delivered. And they were a pleasure to work with, according to my pal, Drew. So not only did they find exactly what they were looking for, but Lemon also delivered them a second engineer really fast. What a great story. So here's your call to action. If you could use a full-time or part-time developer to run your projects faster, I want you to go to lemon.io slash twist. Again, lemon.io slash twist. And you're going to receive a 15%
0: discount for the first four weeks of work with a developer. What a great deal. All right, Apple has acquired a UK-based banking startup called Credit Kudos, which makes APIs for lending platforms. They, Apple paid a reported $150 million for the startup, according to The Block. Jason's reaction was, whoa, 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 whoa. Is Apple going to start giving loans, By now, pay later, margin, mortgages, with a $7,000 max studio machine with 128 gigs? Maybe they're going to need uh, loans yes. for consumers via Apple Pay. Apple already is doing that 0%, you know, month by, buy now, pay later, basically for holders of the Apple card. Like if you have the yes. Apple card, whatever Apple device you buy, you can buy it on, you know, 0%, monthly interest, mm-hmm. monthly payments. And then you still get all of the Apple cash up front. This is the only time I ever use my Apple card. And everything I buy from Apple, I'm like, yeah, totally. I'm just going to buy now, pay later. Nothing else. I will not do that with anything else. So but you do Apple, it, even it. though
1: you don't have to, you just take advantage of the fact that they'll float it for 0%. Yeah,
0: why wouldn't I? And I get the Apple Cash up front and then it just like, I just pay my credit card bill every month and it's like I sort should of do that too.
1: I mean, actually, it's so, that is so interesting on an inflation base that I feel like I should now buy the $7,000 Studio Mac that I don't need. Yeah, <laughs> on your Apple <laughs> They're Card. you are so smart. You I love the Apple Card. I love Apple Pay. It is just such a great product. And I think Apple will, I'm going to make the prediction right now. I think you will have a banking, a full-on banking stack from them, from auto pay, checking, like they will be a neobank, essentially. That's what I'm wondering um, too. Is this I a neobank? I think they'll do mortgages. Group? Well, think about this. They have such a cash reserve. Imagine if they took their $200, trillion, $200 billion in cash and they just said, hey, we know if you can afford an iPhone, you're a good customer. We're watching your spending.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We know you spend $7,000 a month on your card, $4,000 a month on your card, whatever a high-end person is spending on that card. And they say, would you like us to do your mortgage? And you'll have an Apple mortgage directly from their treasury to you. Hmm. Think about it. Think about how much sense that makes for them to disrupt everybody in between. They literally become, could become a finance company overnight. They could be giving margin loans. They could acquire Robinhood or a Coinbase or anything in between and just have a full financial stack you want a margin loan you want to buy now pay later you want a checking account you want a student loan any of that stuff they could originate mm-hmm. and use their corporate treasury and they would get all that interest which might be more money than they're making on it right now
0: right apple should totally do this uh it would actually, you. they have the brand recognition, they have the ease of use, but they could become Trust. their own credit card processor and they wouldn't have to share any fees like they are now with the Apple card. That all makes perfect Trust. sense. And it gets back to my primary question when it comes to Apple, does it sell iPhones? Because if it doesn't, they're probably not going to do it. It certainly locks you into your
1: iPhone. If you had your mortgage, if you had your buy now, pay later, if you had your checking attached to your phone, you're not getting out of the iOS. It would be more sticky than iMessage.
0: But if you couldn't, I, there is no way that the SEC would say you could have hardware locked finance.
1: No, it wouldn't be hardware locked. You could go through the web. I can use
0: iCloud through the web, right? Well, like I, can I log- can't get access to my neobank on my Android phone. Jesus.
1: Well, I mean, they would probably take an iTunes. There are a number of Apple products that they do allow you to use on Android. You just have to use the web. So mm-hmm. they would just say, listen, you can use it. Just use the web. We just don't want to build an Android app and maintain it. But I mean at some point somebody's going to buy why not buy Visa? Uh you know why not buy yeah. Mastercard yeah, I or something? Mm-hmm. Like it, I I don't know if the antitrust would be a big deal. Uh but I do think if you start looking at Square, you know, Mastercard is worth 335 billion. Like why wouldn't Apple buy that? Yeah? That makes total sense. And then it's, you know, this is why Apple needs to get more aggressive. This is kind of their playbook, buy the 100 to 250 million dollar tiny, tiny tuck in acquisitions, we call them in the industry, mm-hmm. get rid of the brand, and then somehow deploy that technology inside the existing
0: Apple suite of products. So I mean, I will be disappointed. I, I will say like your vision makes so much sense. I will be disappointed if the only thing they end up doing with this is just sort of enabling you to buy Apple devices in more c- clever ways.
1: All right. Next up, according to a report in the excellent information, uh, that is a, I think, $30 a month, you know, old school. Uh, paid journalistic tech publication. Uh, highly recommend it. It's really, really good. Sam Altman's Worldcoin is raising 100 million from, wait for it, and in Horowitz, of course. And Coastal Ventures via a token sale. This will value the total supply of the tokens at 3 billion. So once again, the VCs get in first and the public gets to be the bag holders or the winners. Uh, we'll see. Time will tell. I think it's actually a pretty brilliant idea. Remember, Worldcoin is going to give free tokens to individuals who get their irises scanned with a special spherical device. Of course, this has privacy people losing their minds. Uh, you're basically paying people to give up all of their privacy, and the most protected, or I think the the most um, efficient and, and hard to build database in the world for a biometric, which is your iris. Altman previously said he has no day-to-day operations role and he serves as an advisor quote from our pal Sam. I've been very interested in things like universal basic income and what's going to happen to global wealth redistribution and how we can do that better. Altman said that's true. When he was at uh, YC, he was the president of YC for a couple of years. He did a UBI experiment, uh, I think, in Oakland. I uh, never got the uh, outcome of that, which means that maybe uh, it's still going on or maybe it was deprecated. If anybody knows, let us know producers at this week in startups.com is there a way we can use technology to do that at global scale quote uh, from sam altman they previously raised 25 million from wait for it Andreessen Horowitz coinbase's venture mm-hmm. arm and reed Hoffman. worldcoins price is at 1 cent today uh last week bloomberg reported that worldcom was halting operations in seven countries due to fraud attempts and other logistical barriers that's what happens when you give away something for free mm-hmm. and the worldcom device is a hardware device that looks like a droid that is going to conduct scientific experiments on you in a dystopian science fiction film. Here it is, if you're watching the video. Yeah, maybe suck um, your soul out of your eyeball. I think it's literally going to take your soul out of your eyeball. Yeah. Uh, or, in some way, implant a uh, special code for Order 66 when all of us will be forced to kill the Jedi. <laughs> and the
0: Emperor Palpatine tells us to. It's a crazy idea. So, uh, What, what yeah. do you think, Molly? Can I, I like it. To, I want to back up to the... So, what we're saying here is that the vision is to redistribute global wealth yes. by bribing people to give up their biometric data. That would be a... Um, Isn't... Like, it, is this a little uh, biological... bribes f-
1: a little loaded, but
0: pay. Feudalism, like a little bit of uh, we indentured will pay you. biometric servitude. We will depends pay Depends on what you. they do with...
1: It depends on what they do with it, like... If you said to me, I'll scan your iris and put it into a database what's for $1,000, I'd be like, go f- yourself, right? Like, no, what, what are you gonna do with it, right? I, what's the contract say? So we don't have the terms of service. I need to see the terms of service. So can somebody find WorldCoin's terms of service and the contract when you give your iris? Now, if they're saying, gonna give, you're gonna give your iris, we're gonna put it in a hash. Um, you'll have the other side of the hash uh, and you're the only person who can unencrypt it. But when you go to a store, If you want to pay with your iris, you can look down into this thing, blink three times, and then it will send a note to your phone. Do you want to pay this amount? And you press on your phone in the app. Yes, it's you. Then I would know that my credit card is for all time. My digital currency for all time is protected because there's no way to fake an iris scan from what I understand. It's the, yeah, it's the hardest I mean, to be biometric. So what they're saying
0: is that they want the iris scan to verify your identity to minimize yes. fraud so that mm. you don't sign up more than once. And but literally, unless there is unless there is a terms of service that says this data will never be shared in it will be deleted mm. like after two weeks. All right. Well, let's read the process. And It will statement. never be shared in perpetuity. I'm just saying that when the, you have those two concepts together, you get a token in order to scan your iris and the goal is like wealth redistribution then that just sounds to me like you're trying to create an entire world of people who no longer own the rights to their own irises but they did get that token so they're stoked about it here we go to gain I read access, too many sci-fi books
1: yeah so th- there is a but I mean, still i don't want to be too critical here because it's a new idea but i i do think they have done a bad job Uh, communicating the privacy implications here. So let's just read from their terms of service to gain access to our services. We'll ask you to provide us with some information about you. Please note that we may not be able to serve you as effectively or offer your services. If you choose not to share certain information with us, we may collect the following types of data from you. So this is very much in the May. First name, last name, email address, feedback and correspondence from you such as emails, chat messages, other communications. So that's like their CRM system. If you ask for information, uh, we're going to put it into our database. So if you ask a question to the the helpline, uh, and then uh, third party social media websites uh, data. So that means if they get your LinkedIn, they could scrape that and put it into your profile. That's pretty standard, and I don't think anybody considers that a leak or anything because you put that stuff out publicly, and that, that's your choice. Although it's important to let people know that, to the extent permitted under applicable law, <laughs> well, there's a disclaimer. We may collect certain types of data automatically, such as whether you interact with or use our services. So that means. If you're on our website and you click on a link, we can note that you clicked on the link terms of service and you would be in the bucket of people who read the terms of service or went to it. It could be like the troublemaker bucket (laughs) uh, or the smart bucket. This information helps us address customer support issues, yada, yada. Online identities. Here we go. Geolocation and tracking details, computer or mobile phone operating system, web browser name and version, uh, and your personal IP address. That's standard in the web day and age. That's Mm -hmm. nothing new. Every website does that. Usage data, authentication data, security questions. That's like your... You know, logging in, uh, you know, where did you go to school? What was the name of your first puppy? Public social networking posts and other data collected via cookies and similar technology. That's like the Palantir kind of stuff or the uh what's the name of the AI company that uh does facial recognition? Clearview. That's very clear. That's clear view kind of this is all disclaimer. Very standard. This is all, all very standard. standard. That's a clear view. Hey, you put your photos on your Instagram account, we have your photo in our database. Mm-hmm. Anonymized data. And I don't see anything here in this Data. About don't anything about deletion. Bio, there's nothing biometrics. about the biometric. Mm-hmm. So this is all standard template stuff. So mm-hmm. this is a standard template. When you make these terms of services, your attorney has all the stuff, and they just cut and paste it. So where is the actual biometric stuff? So I think what they're doing is they're letting people sign up. They give them a little some coins. When this biometric comes out, you're going to be able to go to it, scan your iris, and then maybe that turns your tokens on.
0: I mean, yeah, and the noties are saying that the biometric data, the iris scan data is stored on chain. So not deletable.
1: Not deletable, but is it in a hash? In other words, like, is it's it in it a hash? Actually just, it's got to be in some hash or something that is. So it, it can, can be, be unlocked up, right. only by them and you or both them and you have to turn the keys at the same time. we to gonna, turn it on.
0: We're going to look into it. All I'm saying is. Hmm. I, I, any company that is coming along and like, because I read too many sci-fi books, but they all come true. If a company is coming along and offering you money for your iris scan and you don't have like a lot of assurances and a very specific understanding about what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that.
1: This is why I trust Apple in this regard and not Google necessarily. So Mm -hmm. Apple, when they took my fingerprint or if they didn't, when they do their facial recognition, I'm like. Apple stores it on my phone. They encrypt it. It's not in the cloud anywhere so that it can't be compromised. It would be really hard to compromise it. And actually, I think that they put it on their chip in the last presentation. I think they had a- I think so. It's like locally processed. Locally processed and Mm -hmm. somehow stored on your chip and encrypted in your chip. It's all about trust. Exactly. It's all about trust. So I'm just like, you know what? It sounds good to me. I trust you, Apple. Right. But with Google, I'm like, okay, I don't think Google's going to leak it, but how are they going to use it? And then with Facebook, I'd never do it. Right. Because Facebook's model is advertising. Google's model, you know, with Android is to get more people in their ecosystem. But I don't think they're trying to take the biometric data and use it to make advertising. So uh, I think this this WorldCoin, I actually kind of believe in. Um, I think there's something, too, if everybody gave some currency or got some currency for mm-hmm. buying into this biometric and it became like Square and they were super well-trusted, And that would be in their terms of service and who they are and how they make money. So how are they going to make money? Do Mm -hmm. they own 25% of the coins? And if the coins go up, they just have a permanent way to make money. That would be cool with me. So let's see micro acquire is a startup acquisition marketplace that cuts out everyone in the middle they help startups get acquired super efficiently and if you're a founder looking to sell well micro acquire is free private and involves nobody in the middle to date micro acquire has helped hundreds of startups get acquired they're working for you to facilitate these hundreds of millions of dollars in closed deal volume their platform includes over a hundred thousand buyers who pay for access to the deal database and thousands of startups are currently listed for sale. Hundreds of successful acquisitions have happened so far and founders get free and instant access to over 100,000 trusted buyers. And you will stay totally anonymous when you are selling. On the other side of the marketplace, buyers simply pay 290 a year for access to deals on the platform. I pay for it. It's great to peruse deals. Microacquire is going to help your startup find buyers. And if you're a buyer, you're going to find great startups. They'll help you start conversations that can lead to an acquisition in just 30 days. And they'll do it for free at try.microacquire.com twist. Once again,
0: try.microacquire.com twist. Coming up next, no one can stop trying to make hardware, even though it is the hardest thing in the world to do. The latest is a company called Nothing. Very cool company is making a new smartphone, a super cool looking smartphone, actually, from the OnePlus co-founder, Carl Pei. And, Mm. you know, if you know OnePlus, I mean, those were very cool phones, still are, I think, very cool phones, Um, made smartphones based out of China. Nothing has now raised a $70 million Series B from undisclosed investors earlier this month. Its first product was a 99 pair of Bluetooth earbuds which look, uh, you know, AirPod-esque, but black and kind of like a lot more matrixy. And the next product was announced today and that is going to be a smartphone. Amazing.
1: Or- and those uh, earpieces had, if I remember correctly, a little LED on the side. So I think it showed you like what song was playing or, which I don't know if that makes any sense. Right, because you can't or see not, that. not,
0: because you can't see it. But other I, people can see it. I wanted to have a, like, for my dog walk, I want it to be like, don't talk to me. Don't, don't, don't listen to me. into a podcast. I don't mean to be, I'm talking know, to just,
1: my, I'm, I'm talking to the police right now. I'm calling the police right now. I'm the, but well, can somebody confirm for me, me that the them. thing on the side was actually an LED readout? Because I thought that would be cool. Like these little LEDs. I saw somebody had a USB cable now that told you in a little tiny LED on the side of it uh, what the charging speed was, you know, 60 watts, I guess. Or what is it? Kilowatts or watts? It's watts. Uh, and it just said like, you know, 60 or 40. Cause you know, when you plug in your phone, you're like, am I getting high speed charging? You don't know. And you're like, I assume I am. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. So I like mm-hmm. this idea of the LED on every device. Like, why doesn't the back of my iPhone or my iPad have like an LED that just gives me like little updates, like messages or whatever. So when my phone is upside down, I could see the battery
0: percentage, right? Totally. Wouldn't that be cool if you saw we've the battery been, percentage? We've been goofing off with the Samsung flip, not the fold. But the one that actually flips some... clothes like a good old fashioned flip phone. Mm. Wow, well, um, and it is absolutely delightful. And it folds up into a little wallet size square. And then the outside has a, a little CD. It's you an L C D. no, I bought it for my son. And then we decided he decided right. he didn't like it and he went back to an iPhone, but I kept it because I was like, this thing is awesome. Oh. And I'm gonna maybe have to use it as a freaking Bluetooth device since my Apple devices will not stay connected to my car. Oh, I have a tip for you.
1: Um if you use Google Fi, you can get like a free data
0: sim. Yeah. And it will just charge you like 10 bucks for your data. So your first, that's so funny. You know. That's exactly what I did for this flip, the Samsung yeah. flip to basically use it as like a Bluetooth burner phone.
3: It's good to yeah, have. Like review we can show it doesn't look like there's an LED on it though.
0: It's like got a little LCD on the outside. Um, it does not have an LED, the flip, but it does have a little LCD on the outside so that I don't have to Pick the phone up to see what's happening on it. it's just like a little boo boo. But the earpiece does have the LCD on it, right? The earpiece. Oh, sorry, that was about. No, that it name. does not
3: have an LED. It does not look it like I not, just looked oh,
0: at review. Well,
1: I'm looking at it. It says nothing here. Is that just? It's just branding. The, it's just branding on the side of it. That's made to look like it. Are you it's looking too, at the same it looks one? Looks like
0: it should be a light. You sure I see it? what you're saying.
1: Yeah, it says nothing on it, but I don't know. Maybe that's just meant to look like that. Meant to look like it actually is an LCD, and they're goofing on you. Anyway i'm excited i, I the like the idea pretty cool
3: if you could watch the video on here you could. oh like software for oh this
0: the is the phone okay so uh, no no, no. this phone. is the this
3: is the software for the uh earpods uh, what is it the software do um you could essentially assign customize the settings for how much treble how much yeah. bass you want
0: oh okay that's cool it's got yeah, a little bit one of an those equalizer kind of
3: yeah
0: which is, I think, more than the AirPods have, because of course, Apple's like, we want you to also buy the AirPods Max. And if you want to equal it, well, they have an equalizer in iTunes music. I'm all over the place now in the brain.
1: Nick, do you know if these uh, Sennheisers that I use as my ear monitors have a version with a microphone? Because I'm thinking, I'm getting so used to having these in my ear and they're so good that I would love to have these for phone calls, but I don't know where the microphone would come from.
3: I don't, but like, I, I know I can-
1: I know I can use them as a dongle, you know, like with a dongle on my phone, I could listen and have these directly into my ear because the, having the sound very subtly deep in your ear canal to me is the most delightful, you know? I don't know. Do you
0: like these flush with your ear? I actually find these m- slightly painful. Really? Oh, well, yeah. maybe you need to change the size of them. I did. I have the tiniest ones. I have sort of a yeah. little baby, I have a little baby head. Baby, baby, baby ear head. I'm like yeah. Beetlejuice when he has a little tiny head um ah. so after so a couple wh- how hours long can you last? These, two hours you can last or something yeah if we like when we do a full two-hour thing mm. then i have to i'm like ow um mm. but let's talk about the phone okay it has a transparent design snapdragon power this was all just announced today uh they did their uh, carl pay did the firm's first major keynote where they sort of announced it but like didn't really it was mostly just sort of an extended teaser but they say that it's coming out in uh summer 2022, presumably it's going to run Android because they all do. Yes, Uh, but it will feature a light interface overlay dubbed nothing OS. Hmm. Supposed to look a little bit different. It'll probably have a lot of this sort of like similar typeface that looks like LEDs, but isn't supposed to be, quote, fast and smooth. Are we ready for a new phone maker? I mean, it does sort of feel sure. Why not? It's not about hardware for me. Like we have a operating system duopoly. So for me, like new hardware is not exciting because I'm ready for the chip in my brain. Well,
1: you're on the iOS ecosystem and it's impossible to get out. So you don't experience like all the Verizon, I'm sorry, all the Android goodies, uh, except I guess on your burner phone. I I went to the Galaxy with the crazy camera. I don't know, it's like the 13 or something, I guess they're using the same numbering system as iPhone to keep uh, pace with them. And I have to say it is an extraordinary phone. Oh, yeah. Um, And Android is so much better at like email and the apps seem faster and the photos are better. And the thing that sucks is iMessage
0: and the browser is faster. Producers, how mad are you going to be if I get if I go and get the Samsung S22 plus because it is pretty hot. And then I introduce a green bubble in our iMessage like you can't do that. I know that is the only thing holding us on
1: right now. It is. Slack group. We can go to signal. Oh, yeah, that's true. My we can go to signal, which isn't all my the worst idea. All my poker groups and guy groups are going to signal now.
0: So I'm kind of in signal. I would move our group to signal. All right, let's do uh, it. Rachel, see the Gen Zs understand. She's like, no, the group chat would be ugly. The green bubble is like the kiss of death, but we could move to signal.
1: I just, signal to me, I think like iMessage, you build up this, um uh you know, legal and hackable, you know. Um, yeah debt whereas on signal i think it all deletes
0: after a certain period of time and is encrypted and the annoying thing about signal like the thing the killer app that is iMessage, is the cross-platform like the ability to, to text yeah. on your computer and signal i think doesn't have that no sucks. no
1: signal does have desktop apps and so that's the other it thing does? is when i go on my windows oh, computer I'm I'm with
0: my switching. windows
1: computer i cannot do iMessage. so sometimes i'm like you'll you'll see me doing a flurry on slack because I'm on my Windows computer. Then you see me doing a flurry of eye messages because I'm on my Mac.
0: Oh, let's switch to Signal. Well, let's just try it for a week. We'll switch let's to Let's try it for a week and then I'll know if I should switch all the way to Android because I've been trying to get them to fix this Bluetooth thing for like months now and they just the don't believe me. The
1: one thing that the government could do in terms of taking action against Apple mm-hmm. is the App Store and opening that up, the pricing and the payments, which mm-hmm. I believe they should. You should be able to use any payment system and you should be able to not go through the app store. So I hope that the government cracks the app store monopoly and allows any app store. In other words, Amazon could have an app store that charges 5% and you could use Amazon, your Amazon Prime to buy stuff. And if I choose to download that on my iPhone, it will install apps from the Amazon app store. Like they should force that. Mm -hmm. The second thing they should force is interoperability of iMessage. And if they don't make it iMessage interoperable in a desktop app for, you know, other apps, they should then just put the screws to Apple. And Apple should do it as an opportunity. It's stupid on Apple's part um, to not just make iMessage a juggernaut. iMessage would be the number one messaging app in the world. Yeah. Full stop. All right. That's enough news for today. Maybe it's too much news for today.
0: It might be, but you know what? We're not sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. And taking a break from the news, next up, let's get to my interview with Ben Miller, founder and CEO of Chronify. Ooh, and we have an investment in that. Yum, yum. So the launch accelerator is in its 24th cohort. I've been sitting down with some founders once a week to dig into their businesses. So far, I've talked with Craig Zingerline from Growth University. That was episode 1387, José Odornias from AirPals on 1392. Today, I have Ben Miller of Chronify, and I've actually been waiting. For this one. No reason. <laughs> because Chronify is consumer software focused on personal finances. <laughs> hey, Ben. Hi, nice to see you. I'm not saying we all uh need all the help we can get. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, that we do.
4: See above, yep. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so tell us uh tell us a little bit more about chronify The F is capitalized.
4: Yeah. So gotta, uh, right at the end there you got FI, which is uh kind of an abbreviation, you know, an acronym an acronym for uh for financial independence, and so basically, that's that's what it's all about. It's it's personal finance software that's geared towards helping people simplify their finances by understanding them in terms of time instead of money. And so, how we weave in financial independence is it's it's all about you know here's how long it'll be until I'm financially independent. Here's how long I can afford to be financially independent right now, etc.
0: Got it. So the Krana is yep. time. Time. Yeah. The Phi is financial independence. How. Do you have a a thesis? I mean, is this sort of related? I hear so much about the FIRE movement, you know, the financial independence retire early. Like, is that baked into this or is it about setting your own goals and then tracking your progress?
4: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I kind of came into the FIRE community, so to speak, a few years ago, Uh, you know, first started with uh, bloggers and folks like that, and, and then just went deep down the rabbit hole. And so that's, that's initially who I thought I was building this for, you know, just a way for people to... Optimize that process i mean it's it essentially grew out of the the tool that I built for myself um, to convince myself I wasn't crazy to uh, leave a, a high paid job and go do something more fulfilling,
0: yeah. And then have you found though you said you initially built it with that yeah, in mind. I would I, imagine they're into it, but are you finding a broader audience?
4: Yeah, I am. It's it's um it's been it's been great to see the, you know, the most the part that I'm most excited about is that it's it's functioning more as like a tent broadener than like an optimizer for people who are already in the movement. And so to be clear, it's not just about, you know, people who eat, sleep, and breathe the uh, fire movement. It's I'm finding more resonance than I would have expected with uh, with just the general personal finance community because it, it, exactly like you said at the at the top of our chat here, it's it's just people don't know how to handle personal finance. You know, like even people who went to fancy universities and have you know high power jobs are just clueless because it just keeps getting more complex every year. And uh, and yeah, unless you're and we just we just don't educate on it. I guess that's the the root of the problem.
0: Yep. So there are tools like this that already exist in some way, right? There's like Mint and various personal finance trackers. And tell us how this one's different.
4: Yeah, it's um, uh, the things that we see in the market already are, you mentioned Mint, you know, other examples would be like YNAB or Monarch or folks like that. I think they do a great job of uh, what they're designed for, which is looking at, in many cases, the past, you know, here's what I spent last month, their budgeting apps, that type of thing. Then there are other companies that do a great job of looking at the future. So investing, you know, so that'd be your personal capital, wealth front, etc. Where we're trying to slide in is in the present. And so by that, I mean, we're trying to help people answer that question of how does what I'm doing right now impact my overall financial health? Uh, Basically, I used to be the weirdo who was like sitting there in my bed for the first five minutes of every day on Mint trying to convince myself everything was okay. And it always kind of left me empty handed on that front, because there was no what does it all mean element. And so that's what I'm trying to supply to the market.
0: Got it. So since we can't watch a demo, obviously, you know, everybody will have the chance to go and see your pitch and your demo. But (laughs) since we can't watch that, give me an example of what that what might my five minutes in bed look like?
4: Yeah, on Chronify. uh, On Chronify. Basically, you know, we try to make it really, really simple so that it's not just about like, hey, here's what you spent last month. And it's not just about here's how much money you've got in the tank but it's about getting the context of your entire financial situation boiled down to simplicity so you can see not only where those things are but how they relate to one another and then most importantly boiling it down to something that's intuitive and real that is time rather than something that's abstract and uh and hard to understand you know everybody's probably seen those those illustrations in like the Wall Street Journal of like here's how many pallets of $100 bills a $1 trillion dollars is or that type of thing the point is it's just like a million dollars, you know, for personal finance examples, means something totally different to different people. But time is something everybody can understand. Once you see, oh yeah, this this coffee habit is delaying my retirement by three months. How do I feel about that? Uh, then you're able to make decisions that are aligned with your long term goals. And so, step one, boiling it down to simplicity, being able to go, oh, I've got you know five years in the bank. So how do I feel about that? Do I feel strong enough to take a risk, etc. And then dynamically track it over time. You know, over the last month, I got six months closer to retirement. Uh, what's that coming from? How do I feel about that? You know, is is there something else I want to be doing with my life?
0: Got it. So, time is the ultimate quantifying mechanism here. It's sort of like, I'm actually thinking of MyFitnessPal, which mm-hmm. I use to track calories. And when I find that I'm getting close, I basically am like, oh, no, I have to go to the workout store and buy <laughs> some more calories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it sounds like you're describing it almost that way. Like, y- if you see that a month get shaved off of you know, I've now I have to work a month longer in my life, like, that yes, could be motivating at almost any age.
4: Oh, absolutely. And, and you're totally right. I mean, it's it's all about trade offs. It's not like a top down, thou shalt not ever go to Starbucks again, sort of thing. It's more of a hey, listen, here's where this fits into the context of the rest of your life. Now you make your own educated decision. Does this align with your values or not? If you love your job, and you live for Starbucks, then great, do it three times as much. But if those aren't the case, then, you know, give it some thought.
0: Everyone always says Starbucks, but like, What's the real bad habit?
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the that's the tricky part is it like sometimes your bad habits aren't actually all that bad. You know, like the the the, the one-two punch of this thing is like everybody understands this whole like trim the fat side of things. Everybody right. should be getting rid of like, those. Leave my
0: Starbucks alone, man. Give right. me some like <laughs>
4: actionable intelligence <laughs> right? Yeah, something you can actually operate on. The the thing that I've found, you know, from using this type of approach for so long has been actually. In some instances, it pushes me towards spending where I otherwise wouldn't, you know, for example, uh, on the gym membership, you know, like right now I'm, I'm paying for a jujitsu gym membership that costs like two grand a year. And so it's like, that's a lot of money, you know, I can feel my wallet getting lighter, but because it's worth it, because it's a long, uh, aligned with my long term health and well-being then it's just like okay well if money's not for that then what is it for and so being able to not only evaluate where something is ruled out but also where something is ruled in where it's my responsibility to spend the cash
0: gotcha so like coffee fine maybe beer and gambling
4: <laughs> gambling <Feels> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but i
0: like the longevity element built in here too which is like you you are going to want to retire and you're going to want to live longer and is that the kind of context that does surface in the app like this is in the green because it's helping you not die.
4: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's like I started out in my job, for example, with like my, my old job, I was working at a big bank trading foreign exchange derivatives. And and so I had this plan that was like, I'm going to get a giant pile of money and live off the interest. And then it was just like, okay, no, this I is have not that plan too. Right. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> we all do to some extent. And so I basically, I realized about myself, like, this is not going to work for me. One, for those of you who are watching, not listening, like, I don't have any hair like that i left my hair on the trading floor at goldman so it's like what else is it going to take for me and then so i wasn't going to be able to stomach it and then you know the other side of that was just that like even at a job that i wasn't necessarily you know in love with going to be my always and forever type of thing a week and a half into vacation it's like i get to a point where it's like i'm itching to get back to work and so whether Hmm. it's a feature or a bug like no working forever that's not my ideal form of life and so I I wound up realizing like I was pursuing financial independence ASAP and happiness eventually when I had it exactly backwards. I should be pursuing happiness ASAP and financial independence eventually.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I hate to transition from this really wonderful... Like philosophical examination of priorities <laughs> to pricing. <Yeah>. But <laughs> should someone want to examine their priorities in this way, how does yeah. the pricing, how's the business model work here?
4: Yeah, it's just a straight subscription model. So it's $10 a month after a 30-day free trial. Uh, I like that a lot from the standpoint that I think people are waking up to the fact that uh, if they're not paying, particularly in financial services, then they are what's being sold. And so this way, the only incentive that we have as a company is to provide the best possible product for our customers. And so with that in mind, you know, it's, it's compared to its alternatives of going to, you know, hang out with a, an RIA or a CFP for an hour for, you know, 150 bucks plus, you know, like that type of thing. Um, it, it's pretty, pretty easy to access for the people who are willing to uh, willing to grip it, rip it and do it themselves.
0: Um, and then it seems like it's working month over month, revenue gro- growth is twenty two percent in twenty two
4: Yeah, exactly. We so that on purpose. <laughs> I'm all about the twos here uh yeah it's 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 working you know people are people are jumping on. I think we're getting a lot of a tailwind from the the great resignation you know like uh i I sort of feel like I'm in the in the right place at the right time and from the standpoint that like a couple of years ago when I started building this, people weren't necessarily thinking about time, money, happiness, you know how do they all play off of each other? And now suddenly great resignation, et cetera. People are like people are people are paying attention and trying to make those decisions. And so uh, so, yeah, it's it seems to be finding a spot in the market. How
0: big is your team? Is it it sounds like it was just you in the beginning? Is yeah, it you're
4: uh, you're looking at it for now. I am uh, you know, I've hired contractors and things along the way to handle the parts where I'm particularly, you know, out of my depth or need some help. Uh, but I'm currently in the process of of hiring and uh, and hopefully going to be getting to a zone where it's no longer a one-man team for very long.
0: I was gonna say, that's probably not helping your happiness to work ratio right there. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: I mean, not to mention I've got three kids under six and so the uh, my my days are at max strain right now.
0: <laughs> Ooh, okay, I'm gonna let you get back to that then. <laughs> ben Miller, founder and CEO of Chronify. Thanks so much for the time, good luck. Thanks a lot.
3: Hey everyone, producer Nick here. I want to tell you about the SaaS Syndicate. If you're a founder of a SaaS company with a product and market, our investment team wants to talk to you. Head over to thesyndicate.com slash sas S-A-A-S, to apply to raise from the SaaS Syndicate. And you can join Jason's Syndicate of over 9,000 accredited investors at thesyndicate.com. Producer Justin here. No cool startup.
2: Our next event is on April 27th.
3: And if you want to learn how to invest in startups from the world's greatest angel investor, and no, we're not talking about Chris Saka, then head to angel.university to apply. The four hour workshop costs $300 and all proceeds are donated to charity. To date, we've donated over $175,000 to various charities, and you can see the full list at slash charity.